welcome to the Real Appeal Podcast. This is your host, Kelsey Loizel, and with me on this fine evening is my Carcent and Calipigian co-host. Corsant and Calipigian. Yeah. I finally found the right website for it. What does that mean? Coruscant is giving forth flashes of light or glittering. That is all me. Mm. Mark Salcedo gives flashes and glitters like of a, all light. Like that vampire movie. With, oh, <laughs> the fucking uh, Twilight. <laughs> Calipigian uh-huh. having shapely buttocks. I have a shapely buttocks. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Brings a tear to my eye. <laughs> It's such an ugly word for such a nice... What is the word again? Calipigian. Calipigian? That means shapely buttocks, right? Yeah. All Having right. shapely buttocks. I'm going to put that on my resume. <laughs> You're a Calipigian? They'll be like, what's that? Sounds like a pigeon that can do calligraphy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Calipigian. Or, um, you know, a pigeon from Cali. A pigeon from Cali? Well, kind of. The year who they were talking about in that scrub song. <sighs> Don't, no. Don't let me in that that song oh wait no pigeons are girls that's the female equivalent of yeah. scrub so yeah that's the, i guess i would be the pigeon you would be the pigeon i would be the scrub but you actually have a job and i don't well your job is to you know if you say make people creative. laugh i'm good <laughs> be creative okay you know be helpful thanks with my paycheck <laughs> <laughs> and look you could have more to give to the world than just a paycheck no no (laughs) give me a paycheck (laughs) all right um we're gonna do some of our normal things and some of our not normal things Mm -hmm. not normal not normal things um first though i need to tell you about facebook have you heard of it we're on it (laughs) (laughs) we're on it like everybody else yeah the real appeal wait i thought that was a new thing (laughs) what facebook yeah yeah no. Yeah, I hear this thing MySpace is really popping. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, The Real Appeal, real with two E's. Um, and also The Real Appeal at gmail.com. If you could please review us on iTunes, and, uh, you know, that's how we'll get noticed. Um, Give us those five star reviews. I mean, you guys, you guys are, you guys and gals. I don't want to separate. Um, you guys and gals are home most of the time now, so go ahead and, and spend some of your time giving us those uh, five star reviews. Yeah, like all day. All day. Every day. Yeah, all day, every day. <laughs> this week we're going to do our deathbed do over. The triumphant return of deathbed do over. It's yeah. been a while since we've done this. It is. It has been. I, you know what we really need to do? Mm. Do Death by Do-Over when mm. we watch a movie and then record within two days instead of waiting weeks after oh, we watched yeah. it. We were going to do Death by Do-Over um, yeah, about two weeks ago, and then we realized Westworld will start, and we're like, oh, shit, let's do Westworld instead. So we were going to do one of Wonder Woman, and we never did that one at all. Yeah, I, you like <laughs> sat down and like rewatched it, and you're just like, I don't know what to say about that movie now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to do Westworld. 
you know, rebooting Westworld. Geriatric Cinematic 1978's Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Mm -hmm. And uh, our connection this week is Pandemonium, because, you know, you don't get enough of that on CNN. Yeah, no, no. yeah, yeah. The world's kind of going to hell in a handbasket, and we thought, why not watch a movie when we are invaded by foreign bodies? Kind of like real life. Oh, so that sounds kind of nice being invaded by foreign bodies. Was... I bet you anything that is like the title of a porno: "Invasion <laughs> from the Foreign Bodies," and it's like an American girl like meeting like these foreigners and stuff like that. But they're not really foreigners. It's like a white dude painting his face, and he's like, "I am Arabic," and all that kind of shit. Yeah. <laughs> Stupid ass shit. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we should uh, get on it and get started with our deathbed do-over. Yeah. Of course, that is The Wolverine from 2013. And, um... Yeah, it's, um... That's a movie that... Act one, act two, great. But then act three just takes like a huge ass dump. And it's it it turns into like a cliche formula is it formulaic superhero film. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, man, this movie would have been so great if that third act wasn't in it. You know what? No I was looking at IMDB and I saw the tags and the first one that pops up is Marvel. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, it's probably because it's, it's such a bad film. I'm like, that's not a Marvel film. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I, I know it's not DC, but for a minute, I could have swore it was. And mm-hmm. I know better. Yeah, you should know better. No, I do know better. But well, I mean, technically, like, I mean, Fox MCU. produced it. Yeah, Fox produced it, but it wasn't produced by Marvel. So it doesn't have the uh, doesn't have that golden touch. Mm. However, you know, directed by James Mangold, so it was. It, so it has some kind of gold in it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of the few like good X Men films. Yeah. And I mean few. I mean two, which is that and Logan, and that's it. <laughs> Everything else <laughs> is garbage. Logan centric film. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh no, not X Men. Not the what's the, what's the first one called? Oh, X Men Origins Wolverine. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> That's a garbage-ass film. Anyway, so yes, we got our deathbed do-over. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let Kelsey do hers first. Okay. Logan is in Nagasaki when the nuclear bomb drops. He successfully saves saved Yoshida. He wakes up from the nightmare and is in bed with Jean Grey. He's in love with her, but kills her anyway. He wakes up from the nightmare. <laughs> wow, that was dark. <laughs> it sounded like a bot. Okay. And is in the... Um, hold on. Mm. He wakes up from the nightmare and is in the Yukon in self-isolation. The whole movie stretches out ahead of him as a series of nightmares that he wakes up from. (laughs) Oh, my God. The credits roll in a weird twist that normally happens in the movie but has somehow switched to reality. The whole film was just a bad nightmare. It never existed. Soon the nightmare takes over reality and nothing ever existed. Wow. A film within a film. We're getting all meta on this shit. Yeah. Woo. That sounds like a horrible nightmare. (laughs) All right, so here's mine. Uh, so Logan has killed all the ninjas uh, on his way to the facility to uh, rescue uh, Mariko. But just before he enters the facility, he gets a sin. He smells. What's the guy? Ichiro? That's the guy's name, Ichiro, right? Who? The guy, the grandfather. I think his name is Ichiro. 
No, wasn't it? Uh, How do you? I, I think you said it correctly. Yoshida. Yosh- Yoshida. Yeah. I think it's Ich. No, it's Ichiro. Okay. Anyway, okay. So Ichiro, the grand, <laughs> the grandfather. He says, mm-hmm. "This is the grandfather." He thinks, "Hmm, it's a trap." So he goes inside, gets into the facility, and he finds the grandfather just chilling in the samurai, samurai silver samurai getup. Kills him right there, just stabs him in the back. You know. Then he takes his life to the body, throws it in front of Doctor Green. And then he does his scream growl, and he pisses on his pisses on the body to establish <laughs> dominance. Dr. Green goes, you know, I got paid. Fuck it. And she leaves. The end. <laughs> All right. What you well, got? What you got? Come on. Come Logan's on. best friend, the bear from the Yukon, <laughs> <laughs> comes back at the end. <laughs> this is an this alignment. This is very stupid. <laughs> Okay, go on. This is an alignment with the mid-credit scene where Xavier is still alive. No <laughs> one ever really dies in the franchise. The bear is actually very aware of this and came to tell Logan that he should just retire since no one ever dies. Oh, and Jean Grey is still alive, but he kept that secret because he's been sleeping with her and they're going steady. The bear also reveals his name is Larry. <laughs> it's my cousin Larry. <laughs> <laughs> it was like an inside joke between Kelsey and myself. I thought you were gonna say that. I thought you could say that Professor Xavier is inside the bear's body. No, <laughs> I'd be like, well, okay, <laughs> okay. All right, so here's mine. Okay, so Wolverine and uh, Wolverine and Utica are taking quite a long time for the fi- uh, to get to the final boss fight. Uh, Doctor Green gets hungry, and so does Ichiro. And Mariko, uh, they decide to order a pizza together. So they order the pizza, and they're going to split it three ways. During the wait time for the pizza to get delivery, the grandfather and Mariko have a heart-to-heart and talk about, you know, what's really going on and why he's trying to regain his youth. Uh-huh. Uh, Dr. Green re- witnesses the conversation, and it's touched by this heartful conversation between the two. She reveals that there might be another mutant that has a healing, a healing factor as strong as Wolverine. Ding dong, the bell rings. It's the doorbell. <clears throat> I just said that, obviously. Ding dong, the, the door ring. The doorbell rings. It's the delivery man. <gasps> it's Deadpool. He's <laughs> he's hit on some hard times and had to be a piece of delivery guy. <laughs> and that's their mutant. They gain the youth. Wolverine shows up, and they're like, you know what? Everything's okay. We're good. And that's it. Then <laughs> anything with Deadpool is better. Yes. <laughs> yes. The the recent Deadpool, not the. X-Men Origins, Deadpool. That's yeah. horrible. <laughs> All right. Uh, since the Viper isn't actually dead because nothing in the franchise ever actually does. <laughs> You're just staying with that. <laughs> nothing ever dies. Viper decides to make her living by selling her venom to companies that make antifreeze. It's the best she can do since everyone's so intimidated by her that she they won't hire her like a true feminist. <laughs> <laughs> She's a true feminist, so she makes a formula for antifreeze. No, she just sells her venom. Oh, for antifreeze. For antifreeze, like, you know. Makes sense, makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and so uh, here's my third act ending for The Wolverine. An explanation for why Charles fucking Xavier is back from the dead and how the fuck Magneto got his powers back. The end. (laughs) Okay. We never got, we never got that in the (laughs) X-Men movies, like, at all. (laughs) Never fucking got it. I told you. Huh? I told you why, though. Why? You know, because Larry came back to tell <sighs> you. Shut up about Larry. 
He came back to tell you, look, no one ever dies. You can hang, you know, hang it up. We don't have to be. <laughs> yeah, everyone's a okay. hero anymore. Exactly. All wow. right. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. And uh, we're going to move on to rebooting Westworld. Bring yourself back online. And uh, this one is called The Winter Line. It stars, you know, everyone that you're used to, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I'm going to be honest. I'm going to say that I enjoyed the first episode more than I enjoyed this one. Yeah, this one is, this one, it's kind of a, just kind of a straightforward story. It feels like they're reaching back. Like, no, we didn't forget about me, but we have mm. to tell you about her story too. Yeah. I, yeah. It's kind of like, they did it in the sense of like, oh, well, this was May's been up to, and this is where we find her. And this is why we found her. Um, just kind of give you guys a heads up. We're going to spoil the shit out of this episode. Uh, uh, out of, the Westworld episode, you know, yeah. Some people still don't get that, uh, but yeah, May finds herself. Um, uh, May finds herself essentially in what's called War World, mm-hmm. um, which I gotta admit, um, I, th- I think this should have been a, a clear hint of where she where she actually was. Um, the place looked beautiful. It was beautifully shot. Mm-hmm. Great, like wide shots. Great establishing shots. It looked incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, she finds herself in War World. It's World War II. Um, Hector is back. Um, uh, how do you say? Rodrigo Santarao. Uh, he's back, but he's not Hector. And there's a minute for like a couple minutes. I thought this was pretty cool. For a couple minutes, you don't know if actually Maeve is actually aware of who she is. Mm-hmm. If she is, if she's part of this, the program. And like they kind of go back and forth with that they almost make it seem like they since she believes that she's part of not really part of a program Mm -hmm. that they built a story for her so Mm, that she like that's her story so it's harder for her to get out of it because her story is she doesn't think anything is real yeah yeah and um that moment when she realized that hector is not awake that it's not the hector that she knew back in Westworld. I got a sense of like she was really heartbroken by this. Mm-hmm. For like I said, because I felt heartbroken because I was just like, damn, Hector's not going to get out either. Yeah. You know, because the chemistry between the two in the past couple of seasons were really great. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, I was, I did enjoy the fact that she, she did the steps where she was like, none of this is real. And she shot herself in the head and she found herself back in the lab, mm-hmm. which I thought, okay, cool. We're doing that. Um, and then we got a we got a moment where um, the two guys, the two engineers mm-hmm. in the previous season, Lutz and Sylvester, show up, mm-hmm. and I was excited to see them because the comedy between those two was fucking hilarious. Yeah, um, I even got more excited. And you saw my face when Lee showed up again, Lee Sizemore. Mm-hmm. I was just like, "Holy shit, Lee made it!" Because in season two, um, it was led to believe that he died. Yeah. And seeing him again, I was like, holy fuck, Lee made it. Like, yes. <laughs> I was so happy. <laughs> um, and then, of course, that wasn't the case. No, she heartbreakingly was like, I'm sorry, I, have, I can't take you with me. I wish I could. And he's like, 
you know. Yeah. I get it. Yeah, it's revealed that um, it wasn't Lee, that she was in a simulation, a simulation, sorry. So she has to try to get out again. Um, I did like that. Uh, because as soon as they reveal, I don't know if you caught it, but as soon as they have the reveal that she's in the simulation, you see that the frame turned to letterbox. And oh, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, the frame goes into letterbox form format. And um, uh, just like how when they were in the forge in last season, mm-hmm. that's how you can tell they were in the forge because of how crisp and clear and how amazing all the shots came off. Yeah. So you're just like, oh, okay, this, they're obviously not in, in reality. Yeah. Um, so that was cool, but I um, one thing that w- I thought was also pretty cool was when uh, Maeve was able to figure out how to break the system. I actually really enjoyed that. I, w- mm. I was kind of bothered by the fact that, one, here we go again. Yeah, I got I kind of got that sense, too. Like, oh, uh, fuck, we're doing this again. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then she didn't have her powers over the other hosts. Mm-hmm. And then, for me, it was kind of weird how... She's in the simulation, and she's able to wake up. You know, like she's still able to do some of the things that she was able to do before. Yeah. And I'm just kind of, I think my mind is having a hard time wrapping around how she's still able to do these things, even though she doesn't have a body, or they could have altered her, mm. or whatever. I think that was. I honestly think that was the, that was their plan. Uh, or whoever had captured or who who caught her pearl and was trying to believe have her believe that she was in Westworld again or mm-hmm. some form of Westworld. Um, I think they were I think they purposely did that because they wanted her to they wanted the her story to end where she's ended up back at the forge. Mm-hmm. So they they only gave her so much room to like wander within the simulation only to answer that question if she's the reason why all the other hosts went to the, I think it's called the Valley Beyond. Mm-hmm. And I think they did, they, like I said, they just gave her that much room to do that. But Maeve being fucking f- four steps ahead of everybody, it's just like, no, I'm going to go ahead and like break the system and get out of it. Yeah. And I think they didn't, they, uh, the, um, the guy, uh, Surik, who's played by Vincent Cassell, didn't see that coming. Mm hmm. So it it proves that like maybe maybe it's just a fucking badass character. Yeah, I, I love I just seeing her back. Like I, she was in the trailer, but just having an episode where it's half her, I'm just like yes, give me more Maeve. I like I can't wait for her to get up to Dolores's level right now. Oh yeah, it's gonna be so dope. Yeah. Um. As you know, I did not get through all of season two. Mm. So some of it's a little bit weird to me. Like the Valley Beyond, I completely missed all of that. Yeah. Um, Don't worry. I'm here to walk you to walk you through it. <laughs> um, the one thing I thought was kind of strange was we see Bernard. Mm-hmm. And we kind of understand what he's doing mm. uh, with that little device where he's himself and then he's he's talking to uh i'm trying to he's not bernard he's arnold when he's walking around and then when he pressed the button he's bernard yeah essentially two personalities yeah um he's trying to figure out what happened Mm because he was losing part of his memory yeah he's trying to he's, he's trying to figure out if 
Dolores maybe a plant inside of something inside his program that he can't find. Right. So um, he ended up revealing that there's something in his programming that I guess makes it so he can't see those things. Yeah. And so he said he built himself a tablet, mm-hmm. you know, like a rudimentary one. Yeah, like a cur- yeah, and I think she. But he said that his programming could make it so that even if he made a tablet, mm-hmm. it might have a flaw in it that wouldn't allow him to see those things either. Yeah, and it that shows how. I mean, it, it, I I don't know if it shows the level of paranoia he has, or the level of of. Uh, not forward thinking of a, the level of three dimensional chess, I guess you can say, on Dolores mm-hmm. because he, we still haven't found out why he's back, why Dolores brought him back. We got like a small hint in the end of season two where she's like, almost like, you know, you're going to be my yin to my yang or something like that. Mm-hmm. But he's like free to like roam, roam the place. And he thinks that he brought her back to keep her in check because she's afraid of, I don't know, doing what she's setting out to do already anyway. Yeah, that part is really weird. I, I never understood that in the second season when he kills Dolores and then bring her, brings her back. I never fully comprehended, like, why do you, like, I guess he had a, uh, I guess maybe he because he had a strong connection to her. They have this really weird connection. And mm. even in season one, where he was, you know, it's like he's doing a therapy session with them, like mm. trying to figure out: Are there any flaws? Are you still a good host? Yeah, but he. But he, he didn't know at that time that he was a host, yeah. and it blew his mind. And then his connection got even stronger. Mm. Um, and it's weird. It was like she was his favorite host or something. Like there was something. I think he was trying to mess with their ai capabilities well he was really in in um in the first season he was really exploring the idea of can can these ais can they be self-aware can Mm -hmm. they gain consciousness and since dolores was his first creation of course he that's where he would sit down and talk to her and kind of like give her these tests and have like an actual conversation with her and then that's when he realized holy shit these things can't be sentient Mm -hmm. you know and then of course later he was like the park can't open we gotta we can't do this yeah that's why they have that connection i think that's why they keep bringing each other back yeah like he he brought her to who she he brought sorry bernard or arnold more specifically arnold brought dolores to where she is and then she brought back arnold but as but uh no sorry Ford brought back arnold as bernard Mm -hmm. but dolores saw the potential of what arnold was yeah. And brought and kind of did like a mishmash of them, and that's this is what we got now. We have like a mishmash between Bernard and, and Arnold. Some kind of weird level playing field where mm-hmm. you could be nice and you can also use the bad side for good. Yeah, it's kind of like a uh, what's it called, like a Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde kind of scenario, but really tame. Yeah, really tame. right now though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, we're gonna come back to Maeve in a second, but let's go ahead and kind of cover up Bernard's <clears throat> or yeah Arnold. Um, because the Maeve story ends at a kind of not a big well, reveal. We'll just call him Arnard. I think they call him like Bernarnold. I think that's one of them is Bernarnold, <laughs> but we'll just say like Arnold for now. Arnard. Arnard. <laughs> so Arnard, what character are they talking about? <laughs> uh, so yeah, Arnold ends up on back on Westworld. What I thought was funny how he just he almost kind of strolls back in the Westworld 
granted, it's been like 90 days since like the whole thing happened. It seems, it feels mm-hmm. like it's been like two and a half years. Yeah. And there's like no security and everything. But like Arnold goes to, uh, goes to his old hut, whatever, where he was doing his research. And they go back and he goes back into a room and he finds, he finds Stubbs. Mm. And I was like, yo, Stubbs is back. All right, cool. But what was, what kind of freaked me out is like there was a bunch of like Bernard bodies that were in the closet oh, or that yeah. was in the freezer. And I was just like, that kind of freaked him out too. Yeah. Fuck. I, if I walked into a room and there's like a bunch of me standing around, I'm like, oh shit. I wonder how I can turn this sexual. <laughs> <I'm joking. laughs> uh, yeah. And then like he finds out like Stubbs. Um, Stubbs has Stubbs is revealed that Stubbs is a host, um, but Ford had created him to essentially protect all the other hosts. Um, Stubbs tries to shoot himself because he wants to. He wants the charge in the back of his head to go off because he wants to like. Uh, what's the, what's the word I'm looking for when you're cleaning up somebody's secrets? Oh, I can't remember the name of that word. Uh, he wants to cover like Bernard's tracks, tracks and stuff like that. Make sure it doesn't get revealed that Bernard is you know bernard yeah um so yeah and then that's when like they get they get started to work together and everything and he wants to find a tablet to kind of scan his mind to find out what the fuck's going on with him and everything and we get a cameo from david benioff and db weiss the -hmm. creators of game of thrones um oh and drogon which doesn't make sense why he they're in that room well it makes sense why they're in the room because they're engineers. So they kind of like kind of play with the idea that maybe Game of Thrones takes place in Westworld. Um, they call Park, I think, I think Park 4 is supposed to be like medieval world, even though it really isn't because it doesn't, the costumes they show for it don't match. Yeah. But I thought it was stupid that like Drogon was like in that small room. Like, mm-hmm. how the fuck they get Drogon in there? It makes no fucking sense. He actually, I don't know, the way that shot looked, mm-hmm. he looked more. Um, what's that word? Hologram. He looks like a. He looked more like a hologram. Yeah, but like the parks. I mean, it was it 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 was obvious that I think I can't remember which one. One of them had grabbed like a buzzsaw to like cut it up in pieces. Uh huh. So obviously they're going to dismantle the dragon. So there's like some level of like authenticity. Oh, okay. To yeah. to them. Um, I thought <laughs> one thing. I, I I remember I cracked a joke saying like. Oh, they're they're probably writers for for the Park Four, and that's why Park Four says shit. <laughs> fuck that last season, man. Anyway, so that was cool. And then uh, Bernard and Stubbs they find a terminal. Bernard does his. I'm sorry, Arnold. Arnold does this really cool thing where like he's like scanning his memory, and he's kind of like flicking in his eyes and stuff like that. Uh-huh. And the way how they're cutting is like he's flicking his eyes, but as fast as he's flicking his eyes, you see like the cuts between of like what he's looking at. Yeah. And I thought that was, I thought that was a pretty cool like kind of back and forth transition they were doing. No lie. I saw that scene. Uh and I was like, I don't think everyone can do that. Like I don't think I think that he has to be good on at doing that on uh, his own or something. Yeah. And then the next thought was best get. You love that movie. I love that movie. I was like, that's not a bad movie. That's all right. But you're just like, oh my gosh, it's the greatest movie ever. I love that movie. <laughs> you even made a comment that like he was he was walking and you're like, oh, that's that basket walk. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I was like, okay. I mean, it's the power of fucking, uh, uh, what's his name? Jeffrey Wright. Shit. Yeah, Jeffrey Wright is basket. 
Beth Gilt. Uh, but yeah, I wonder. I wonder if like they were trying to figure out how to like how to transmit that message of like his his mind is being are he scanning his mind? Mm-hmm. And Jeffrey Wright was like, "Walk into this thing with like I blink minds really fast." And the doctor's like, "Do it. That works. Let's do it." <laughs> I bet you that was like an on the day hey, kind of suggestion. You know what our connection? Damn it. What you lost it? No, it was so. I mean. Our connection could be between Jeffrey Wright mm-hmm. blinking his eyes like that. Okay. And then the weird eye thing that the actress from... Oh, uh, from Invasion of the Body Snatcher does? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why we're doing this episode, because they blinked weird. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, then, like, <laughs> I, I thought it was funny how... Uh, what's it called? The... Um, Oh, what's it called? How the guards kind of came in and they were just like, hey, Stubbs, where have you been all this time? And nothing. Just like, hey, put your hands up, Stubbs. Like, why the fuck are you You're like? Yeah. Like, oh, we know you're a fucking traitor or something. Yeah. Or something like that. Like, I don't know if I if if some if I'm working somewhere and somebody who disappeared all of a sudden shows up, I'm like, yo, this isn't right. Something does not feel right about this. Yeah. And he. I've heard a lot of complaints that like Stubbs is like a really bad guard or um, security guard or uh-huh. whatever for the for the park, um, but surprisingly he was able to like fight off uh, several guys at uh, one point with like one arm and then an axe, and like, and, like none of them thought like well we got to sh-. he got shot in the shoulder but no none of them ever thought like well we got to shoot him again yeah like, I, I guess because they, they just- didn't realize he was a host or something yeah but they could have I mean yeah that's true but. Come on, there's like four of them. There, there was two, and then there was four. He took out like six guys. Four with one arm and an axe. Um, so yeah, then um, what happens next? Uh, Arnold and Arnold Stubbs end up back on the beach, and they're gonna take off. Well, this Arnold's is gonna when take the funny off. thing happens. Yeah, Arnold's gonna take off, and Stubbs is like, "All right, well, I've uh, finished my my." my core directive so i'm gonna go ahead and retire he's gonna like blow his brains out yeah (laughs) (laughs) and like arnold stopped him and goes you know gives him a new program he goes like what's your prime directive he goes protect protect bernard at all call at all costs and then he and stubbs looks at him he's like if you just ask i would have done it yeah (laughs) and i thought that was so funny it was like like he's like all you had to do is ask yeah it's like he kind of like forced him into slavery but sometimes it's still kind of (laughs) funny So I, I like how we're we're gonna. Get, I hope we get more of that Bernard and Stubbs kind of comedic dynamic because they yeah. seem to bounce off each other really well. They do. I already see him dying in the future. Stubbs? No. Yeah, because you're gonna get some more of that that connection, and Bernard is or Arnold is gonna have to move forward, and Stubbs is gonna die. Yeah, if he does die, I hope he doesn't die until I don't oh, know. Or but- you hope he only temporarily dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because nothing ever dies in Westworld. Nothing ever dies in the movies ever. Ever, especially not the Wolverine. Yeah, uh, or in, in some case Westworld, because we still don't know who's 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 in the body of Charlotte and the other what f- four pearls. Well, there's there's Dolores. Well, okay, so she took out five pearls. Mm-hmm. I'm guessing one of them might have been Arnold, and then the other one is the person who's ever is in in uh, what's his name his body. Um. Oh, I forgot the guy's name. The actor, uh, Martin Martin Connell's body, and then 
we don't know who's in Charlotte's body. Mm-hmm. So we still don't have an idea of who else. We know we know one of them is not Maeve. One of them is one of them not Maeve. Um, you thought that it might be Teddy in one of them? I thought it might, but it doesn't really make sense. Mm-hmm. But sometimes things don't make sense until they have they do. Yeah, yeah. Until like they give it, you know, some exposition dump or some shit like that. Yeah. Um, so that so we still don't know what what Bernard's gonna do to stop Dolores. You know, that's still kind of up in the air and everything. And then, so as the episode kind of comes closer closer to the end, there's this cool little escape scene where Maeve, um, she crashes the program. And then she gets out and she actually like, I had, I had this big question while it was happening. She programs a robot to take her pearl mm-hmm. and run. What then? <laughs> I don't know. If, I think she thought. It, she's not seeing what's happening. Yeah. Like, it's like she programmed it and then it grabs her. Yeah. And then takes off. But like, we never had an idea that like she can, she's actually like controlling it from within the pearl. Like she's, she, she's controlling it within the simulation that she's in. Right. Like, it's like she got a connection, like an uplink or something. Yeah. But once they take her out of that tree. Yeah. She's disconnected. Exactly. So she has no idea where that fucking robot's going. Yeah. Like, does she, and she, she doesn't know like how the outside world is. Yeah. And she doesn't know that, like, Arnold is still around or who could help her. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe she purposely didn't have a plan. Maybe she was just like, I'd rather die than, like, live in the simulation again. Yeah. That could have been it. I think we would all rather die than watch her in another simulation again, too. Yeah, seriously. Like, there's that scene where she grabs, uh, like, a drill and she's about to give herself a lobotomy. And she's just like, you know, I have to relive this whole thing again after I I willingly wanted to die at the end of season two. Like fuck that. Yeah. Um. So then she awakes. She's I think from what I heard is most likely Spain that she's in. Mm-hmm. And we finally meet Sarek, uh, who created, who helped create. What's that thing? Rehoboam. Rehoboam. That's I say Rehoboam. Mm-hmm. All right. And Sarek. You know, it was all a test. Zurich says, you pretty much like, I want to see if you were the danger that the Rehoboam <laughs> was finding out if no, it's actually Dolores. So I want you to, I want you to hunt. I want you to kill Dolores. I'm still stuck on, you said Hector Escaton's actor's name wrong. Did I? Yeah. His name is Rodo- Rodrigo? Rod- R- Rodrigo Santoro. <sighs> Rodrigo Santoro. There you go. <laughs> I need. I really need to practice these before we record. No, actually, I'm not going to. Fuck it. For comedy, I'm going to make people look at me and think I'm stupid. For the sake of whatever, comedy. whatever that is, mm-hmm. that's exactly why Leia reads the way she does. Mm, She's a good reader, but she doesn't pay attention. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So Sarah is. Sarah pretty much asks Dolores, not Dolores, asks Maeve to kill Dolores. Maeve being defiant she is, she's like I don't give a fuck hmm. you know and he says that like there's a war coming that we've already lost that's really interesting yeah I want to know I'm, I'm assuming he's referring to Dolores like Dolores is going to bring war to them or stuff like that but mm-hmm. I want to I want to know what extent do they know this yeah um it's um I think it's funny he's Vincent Gassel he's a great actor he always comes off in this very threatening manner. Mm-hmm. Like you can, like he looks like he would like kick the shit out of you for like, I don't know, blinking the wrong way, you know, blinking too much like, <laughs> like know, Arnold, like Arnold, yeah, yeah. Um, so even though he had like he had 
kind of like this smile, like this kind of warm demeanor. He looked like he would like stab her in the back, you know, the first chance. Yeah. Um, and she even she even says she's like, I don't care about your war. I don't give a fuck about your people. Blah 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 blah. Because she's a hoe. She's like, you know, your problem is not my issue. And he, she's about to kill him, and she he freezes her, which obviously he would have a contingency plan. Mm-hmm. So I would wonder what is she gonna, what is he gonna offer her to because ha- she shows up later in the and during the trailer she shows up later, right? And there's obviously gonna be a confrontation between Maeve and Dolores. So I, I'm wondering what's it gonna be that convinces her to like to go after Dolores. Maybe he will let her. Maybe Dolores is starting to take over the world and learning things on her own, but she's doing it the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's offering her a world without Dolores where she can learn on her own as well and kind of assimilate. Because all Ooh, she maybe? really, yeah, because all she wants is a family mm. and to like, I don't know, just be peaceful. Yeah, because like her, she doesn't have her daughter in her, anymore. Her daughter is in the great in the valley beyond. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, maybe he's offering her some type of peace. Yeah. You know. Yeah, maybe. Hmm. But you have to take care of Dolores first. Otherwise, you're never going to have that peace because people are always going to be, like, everything's always going to be an upheaval. Yeah, that's true. So, either you die or you work with me to get rid of her and then you have peace. So, Mm. either way. Now, he was, um, Sarah was pretty much saying that like he's he him, he himself and someone else has created this program to like essentially make peace and stuff like that like across this plan like he figured out the strategy right right now do you i'm gonna turn a question to you do you think what Surik might be aiming for is for a, a good cause or you might or do you think it feels like it might be like another prison i don't know because i think with a guy like him mm. having the the capability of Rehoboam mm. under his belt, it it never looks good in a, in a situation like that. That's true, yeah. Because so, he could like weave things however he maybe however he may seem fit. Yeah, um, I don't. Yeah. I just don't think that maybe he started off in a really like kind and generous way and then mm. maybe he lost his way or maybe he has like a god complex and it seems like he does a little bit yeah it was re- yeah i mean she maybe did said say like um oh what are you the one who's gonna help write humanity into like the sun the sunset or whatever and he says like no i'm not the author but i've created a program that can do it you know and that kind of in a way that kind of like destroys free will yeah it does you know because it's like saying you know, instead of getting vaccinated, we should just let God decide who lives and dies. That's true. Because, you know, disease is the thing that God created, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we even got a kind of an idea of how that could be very negative towards somebody, like especially Caleb, who's trying, Aaron Paul's character, who's obviously trying to better himself. Mm-hmm. But it seems like whatever he does and not get his score up yeah. is like going against him. Right, and I'm sure the that program or whatever or um, Insight, the company Insight, who owns the Rebohum, 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 that company was just like, no, you're no, gonna- I said it backwards now too. It's not Rebohum, it's Rehoboam. Oh, Rehoboam. 
Yeah. Rehoboat. Yeah. Reho, reboho, row your boat. <laughs> Jelly down the stream. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> I think Kelsey broke. She broke trying to figure. She was like the program in, in this episode with like the square root of negative one. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what happened. I had to try to make the syllables work. Look. I'm white, okay? <laughs> I did the best I could. Yeah, you said you said it better than I have. I could even say Rodrigo Santoro. Rodrigo Santoro? <laughs> yeah, I could even say that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would have to agree with you on that, because it, Dolores seems to be fighting to, I don't know, to re- free people from this prison, which is that program. And Syracuse sees her as, as a threat. Maybe Maeve might even team up with Dolores because she's like, yo, fuck these people. Maybe. You know what? That could happen. I can definitely picture that. Maybe she decides to work with them just to get out of there and yeah. then turns tail. Yeah, I can see. I can picture that because Dolores really, there was one, not really a confrontation, but Dolores and Maeve did meet each other in season two mm-hmm. where she was like, join my fight. And she was just like... She's like, nah, I got, I got my own plans. And Dolores is like, all right, you go do your thing. Just don't get in my way. Yeah. So that might be the case. Anyway, I think that's it. I think that's it. Mm-hmm. You want anything else? Um, I just can't wait for the third episode. Third episode of Westworld? Yeah. It's going to be so good. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to our geriatric cinematic. They come from a dying world. They drift through the universe, pushed on by the solar winds. They adapt, and they survive. The function of all life is survival. Sleep, sleep, sleep. From deep space... Sleep. The seed is planted. Sleep. Sleep. Terror grows. Matthew! Matthew! Wake the others! Elizabeth, wake up! Get you when you sleep! Sit up! Invasion of the body snatchers. It's got no detail, no character. It's unformed. All of a sudden, they're growing like parasites. Is it contagious? People are being duplicated. How do you know my name? I didn't tell you my name. I can't find anything in here that looks like a body. My side's nosebleed. It looked right at me. You're looking at it as if it was human. It was not human. Now, the classic fear begins to grow. (laughs) We're being cornered. In a modern masterpiece of science fiction. They're barricading the street. Invasion of the body snatchers. Starring Donald Sutherland, Brooke Adams, Leonard Nimoy. Invasion of the body When snatchers. seeds drift to Earth from space, mysterious pods begin to grow and invade a small town, replicating the residents one body at a time. Directed by Philip Kaufman. He also directed The Right Stuff in 1983, The Unbearable Lightness of Being... 1988 and twisted in 2004 it's written by wd richter who also wrote needful things and home for the holidays in the night in the early to mid 90s um and it stars donald sutherland brooke adams jeff goldblum 
Veronica Cartwright, Leonard Nimoy, and Art Hindle. Mm. Yes. What do you think about this film? Oh, man. I think it's, you know, this is where your fear of hair comes from. Ugh. Let's 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 take one fear at a time. <laughs> uh, I have been doing something really stupid, and given what's been going on with the whole coronavirus pandemic, I've been watching films where, essentially, you know, uh, like the, the planet is fucked because there's like a serious virus that comes out that gets unleashed. Like I watched like Contagion last week, and I thought, hey, this movie would be great. It's a little stepping out from what can, what's really happening, but hey, this might be great. That's a bad idea. Uh, obviously, we're not we're not being taken over by pod people, but there's like one particular part that really, really got to me, and it was that scene where after Donald Sutherland and Brooke Adams and Jeff Goldblum and I'm sorry, yeah, Donald Sutherland's character, Brooke Adams, Jeff Goldblum, and Veronica Cartwright, they are like, holy shit, this thing's happened. We got to contact the, the officials and everything. And Donald Sutherland's calling people, and it seems like he can't get the message out. Yeah, and it seems like. Either the government is just like, fuck these people, or they're already being infiltrated, mm-hmm. which is how our current government is, is like, fuck these people, because mm-hmm. they can't pass a simple fucking bill. Yeah. You know, because Republicans are assholes. <laughs> so this, this, some of this movie was very unnerving. And it, it, they, I gotta admit, yo, the effects were fucking great. They were. They were amazing. This is like 78. Mm-hmm. The effects were absolutely amazing. Um, I read somewhere that some people call this uh, call this film one of the best remakes ever. Um, I don't know if I say that. Scarface is pretty dope. Scarface is a remake. Yeah, the original Scarface, nineteen thirty two, I think, or something like that. Oh, it's way different though. But <laughs> same story. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I remember I remember my mom talking about this movie a lot when I was growing up. One thing she always said was like Jeff Goldblum and Leonard Nimoy's in it, and I kind of remember watching it when I was little. I barely anything, barely fucking anything. The only thing I remember is just like the ending with Donald Sutherland doing the like, <laughs> screaming and pointing kind of face. Um, but watching this again is like watching it the first time. Oh, fucking terrifying! I don't think I slept that well that night. No, I I'm sitting here replaying that after you made that that talk about. Oh, Donald Sutherland, that's all you remember with that mm-hmm. that sound. And then the whole ending just played out in my mind right now. Like, I literally left my body. <laughs> it like was it. replaying the whole thing. Uh, I'm like, God, that's so fucking genius. Yeah. How they did that. How he was the hero mm-hmm. of the movie. Yeah. And he was not the real hero of the movie. Yeah, like... It's it, okay. So in the if you guys, uh, this is a spoiler from the original, the original nineteen fifty five version. I that one I that one I watched maybe about t- less than ten years ago, but I still remember it pretty well. Um, that ending is a bit more hopeful, where um, the hero of that movie, um, it's seen as crazy, but it's it's revealed that pod people are coming, and the and the government gets involved. Uh-huh. like actually like fbi cia get involved and stuff like that and the movie just ends like okay cool they stopped them obviously you know like how our government's getting involved now and they're giving out ppe equipment oh my god we're giving so, so much equipment and then i found out that one hospital said that the equipment that they received from their reserves mm-hmm. 
wouldn't even last them a whole shift. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was started cracking up laughing. That is fucking horrible. So hopefully that's more hopeful than that. Yeah. Um, a small correction. Vision body snatchers came on 56. I like to correct myself because... You know, because 55 and 56 mean a whole lot to us hey, it right was, now it was in 2020. Pro- it was produced. It was made in 55, maybe. I don't know. Anyway. It's the difference of my dad being four years old mm. or five years old. There's a difference. One is half a decade. The other's not. <laughs> <laughs> One's an even number. One's an odd number. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so what I was getting at is that that ending's the 56 version is hopeful. And how this one's playing out, I keep thinking like, like, if this ending's going to be hopeful, like, how are they going to, I don't, like, how? How is it going to be hopeful? And it wasn't. No. Like, Donald Sutherland, like, but I do like how they, they play with the idea that, like, Donald Sutherland maybe have kind of figured it out how to show no emotions. Yeah. And then there's that reveal at the end. And it's very terrifying. Yeah. You know. I, I kind of thought, I was like, because at one point, Donald Sutherland sees the girl that he fell in love with. Mm-hmm. And she's obviously, you remember she was taken over, but it's weird because she doesn't react to him and he acts like she meant nothing to him. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, God, that there really wasn't a lot of time that elapsed. Mm. So that he's gotta have like nerves of fucking steel. Yeah, yeah. You can tell like there's a, a small like small moment where you're like, oh, you can just see his heart just breaking right there. Yeah. You know, uh, and he even like uh, Donald Sutherland's character even follows um, follows Brooks Adams' character like to the elevator at one point, and it kind of starts leading to the idea of like. All right, he's just figured out how to like fake it. Yeah, but maybe though, if you think about it, maybe instead, mm-hmm. the pod people are evolving back into humans. Yeah, but that fast? You never know, especially with how how invasive a species can be. Mm. Maybe sometimes that means that they're more prone to change. It could be possible. I mean, they um, when um, when it was revealed that Leonard Nimoy's character was one of the pod people, he did go off and say like, you know, no war, you know, no use for love or emotions and stuff like that. It seemed like they were dead set of like dead set on not having emotions at all. But it, you know, that is possible because everything does eventually grow emotions. Even like, for example, your new cat. Yeah, my new kitty. Yeah, Kelsey picked up a, she got a kitten, what yeah. was it, like, last He's, week? Yeah, on Thursday, last week, mm. eight weeks old, his name is Patches, he smells like pee, mm-hmm. Um, he <laughs> uses all of his claws and all of his legs to climb up my leg to get in my lap. Yeah, that's that's what kitties do. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I still love him anyways, and his favorite place to sleep is right underneath my chin, like... <laughs> I can't put my head down. He sleeps right on my neck. That doesn't get itchy? No. Cat fur is not itchy. It gets kind of warm. Mm. And then I get a little stiff because I'm like, I can't move because he's sleeping, you know? Well, moving's overrated. (laughs) (laughs) When you have a cat sleeping on you, yeah. (sighs) Yeah, my cat never slept on me. She slept next to me, but. You're warming up to him a little bit. 
I've always liked him. Yeah. Yeah, but pockets can always gonna come first. <laughs> always. I've made a point of even though she's really standoffish, mm-hmm. I really try to tell her how much she's like she's cute or whatever yeah. during the day. Yeah, you don't show favorites, but you have a favorite. <laughs> <laughs> always. Duh. Okay, so um what did you think of the performance? I mean, the the the, the cast is pretty fucking impressive, like off the jump. The performance was really great. Mm-hmm. Um, We're talking about the movie, not the cats now. <laughs> you know, he uh. jumps from high places. <laughs> Donald Sutherland jumps from high places. <laughs> Jeff Goldblum goes meow, but it's like a lazy meow. <laughs> yeah, every time he sees the litter box, he goes. Eh. He sounds like a noir kitty. A noir kitty? Yeah. What is a noir? What is a noir kitty? Because instead of saying meow, he goes. Eh. So he sounds like so he sounds more like a creaking door. <laughs> That's what your cat sounds like. <laughs> That's what noir detectives sound like anyway. They go here. See? That's the <laughs> totally different genre. It's <laughs> a gangster film. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I don't know what noir is, so what? <laughs> What? Why are you saying this? <laughs> well, I thought I knew, and then you just told me I didn't know. No, well, you—it's you, not that you didn't know. You just mixed up your genres. Okay. Sh- I think I've showed you a noir f- f- film. I think my noir uh, knowledge, no um, experience, mm-hmm. is relegated to. Into the Spider-Verse. Oh, shut the fuck up. (laughs) Anyway, so back to the performance. (laughs) What did you think? Come on, let's get back on track. Um, I really did like their performance, though. Mm. Anybody Uh, that stands out to you? You know what? Donald Sutherland actually really does. Okay. There's something about him, and I don't know if it's him Mm -hmm. or if it's the role. He looks like someone you would not like give a second look to. I actually didn't like him when they first showed him. Okay. Because he was a health inspector. First of all, it took me half the movie for it to click. But where he is in the beginning mm-hmm. in that kitchen mm-hmm. and they're they're going over is it a caper or yeah. is it a rat turd? Okay. The entire kitchen is filled with people of color. Okay. No, but listen, like, when he comes back, he's, like, gloating mm-hmm. about this fucking caper incident. Mm-hmm. And it just, to me, I can they didn't really say what it was, if it was really a turd or a caper. Uh-huh. And it just seemed like he was being a dick because he could. Yeah, he was, I mean, I don't... I don't really know any health inspectors. My ex, she uh, used to work in a re- in a retirement home, um, and she would have inspectors come by. Uh, it was often like their annual inspection or quarter inspection or whatever. And she said that like they had to make their shit fucking spotless, yeah. otherwise they get dinged for anything. Mm-hmm. But she's never really had horror stories about like inspectors being assholes. But I can totally picture that because that's kind of like. It's like a sense of authority, which is like, it's a sense of authority in a pl- in um, where anybody outside the food industry would not give a fuck about. It's just like dealing with cops. You get mm, you yeah. get the ones who are like, 
I've been doing this for so long. I really don't give a shit. Just do whatever you're doing. Don't do that again, though. Yeah. Or you get the ones like, I don't know. I was in an accident when I was 17. Mm. And the guy put down reckless driving. And obviously, it was just raining outside. Yeah. And I wasn't following closely. And because I was 17, he didn't believe me. He was a young state trooper. He was like really young. Maybe he had something to prove. Yeah, like, oh, you were, he was very much like, it was <laughs> reckless driving and you don't know, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh my God, was this I was the, pissed. Was this the same gangster guy? Yeah. <laughs> 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 you weren't driving safety. Yeah. <laughs> That's how he cries. The, the kitty. Oh, okay. I thought you were talking about the, 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 the state trooper. I'm like, whoa, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he started crying. Hmm. Uh, yeah, Donald Sullivan was coming off as a real... I actually like that that he started it off as kind of an asshole, so that took us time to like warm up to him. Yeah, you know, and I think I I felt like it was like this whole journey with that character, this whole like oh he's an asshole, but like no he's actually like a really nice guy. He actually really digs this girl. He just really loves his job a little too much. Yeah, and then he's trying to like keep everybody alive. You know, he's trying to keep his friend alive, especially like that part where um, it's revealed that Jeff Goldblum's been taken over. Mm. And he just you can tell he's really heartbroken by this. Mm. So like when we get that reveal near the end where Don Sutherland is now one of them, it's kind of it's it's a bit more hard hitting because you're like, damn, we went on this whole journey with this guy. Yeah, you know. Um, and Veronica Cartwright, who played Nancy Belichick, mm-hmm. is just she thinks she's getting the old Don and yeah, that part is hard wrenching too. <sighs> Even that part where like. Where um, Jeff Goldblum is like he he he's wants to get the attention of the 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 pod people, and so that Donald Sutherland and Brooke Adams can like get away, and um, Veronica Cart- Cartwright is running after him and everything, and it's kind of sad when she shows up later. She's like, "Oh, I lost Jack. I don't know where he's at," you know, and it's just like, "Oh, girl, the truth is gonna hurt a whole lot." Yeah, and he never told her either. Yeah, I'm so she had to assume like oh, he's gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he did die. I just remembered. Jeff Goldblum's character did die. He got stabbed in the back in the neck. Damn. Yeah. That sucks. Um, Brooke Adams was really good, too. <laughs> the girl doing the girl doing your the eye trick that amazed you. <laughs> that shit was actually funny. It was like, it was. It seemed so like a genuine moment between the two. Like, she probably was doing that behind the scenes. I wouldn't like expect that. that eye trick because there was something me and my older brother used to do. Mm. Like, he kind of taught me how to do it. You could, like, move one eye independently of the other. Yeah, I've seen people do that. Yeah. And so that made me think of that. Yeah, but her eyes was like, wiggly, 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 wiggly. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Well, she had googly eyes. <laughs> Harker googly eyes. <laughs> I did, But I did like her character. Um, so seeing her go out, and that scene where um, uh, Donald Sutherland's character, uh, Matthew, you know, he's like holding her after she's already told him, like, I love you, but he hasn't, he never said it back. He had that, he finally was just like, I love you, I love you, as she was like dying in his arms. Yeah. That part when her body was like crumbling was like very, like, ugh. Like, yeah, I kept you thought that was gross. Yeah. I didn't know at the beginning of the film what all of those dumpsters were doing. Yeah. Those, I mean, those trash trucks. Mm. Um, then it kind of dawned on me that that was their remains. Yeah, I actually like that they didn't. They didn't like just straight up said. They let the audience. They let the viewer go like, "Oh, that's what that's for." They're getting rid of the bodies. Yeah, like they're cr- that's so fucked up. 
Like, I think it's fucked up that the next morning, when mm. she knows there's something wrong with Jeffrey, with Jeffrey, which Art Hindle. Yeah. He doesn't say anything to her. He just goes upstairs, or he goes in the house, mm. takes out the trash. And I'm like, he's still taking out the trash, okay. Mm. And then you realize later, once you realize what that was, like, oh shit. He just disposed of her boyfriend right in front of her. Yeah, like she wakes up and he's like, he's like picking like little crumbs of it, like in a dustpan. Yeah. I was like, oh, that's, that's some mess messed up. Yeah. Uh, what's the guy's name? Um, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the, the little cameo from Kevin McCarthy mm-hmm. who showed up. Um, at one point in the movie, he plays like the crazy like man, running man who's like, "They're coming! They're all coming! Like you have to hell! They're coming!" And I saw him. I was like, "Hey, Kim McCarthy, there you are, man. Sorry, you didn't make it to the end." I like seeing Leonard Nimoy. Do you really? Yeah, he played a pretty good, like villain. Yeah, I was I was convinced. Um, I was convinced for a little while that he wasn't. He 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 hadn't been. He was just a really out of touch doctor or something. Yeah, yeah. Like at the at the beginning, um, when we first when we see him, he seems he's like smiles. And he seems like he's really trying to sh- like save a marriage. Uh-huh. Well, obvi- um, trying to save a marriage that obviously the guy is one of them. But mm-hmm. it seems like he's oblivious to the idea. Yeah. You know, and then like when we see him later, it's I'm wondering, I'm wondering when did they take him? If they took him in that bathhouse scene. Remember when, like, they found that body and it was supposed to be, like, emulating Jeff Goldblum? Yeah. And then um, the guy was like, oh, the body's gone. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. There's no body. Mm-hmm. So maybe, like, that's when they took him. Because it's like, where the fuck could the body go? Yeah. Unless he, like, handed it. Maybe he was taken before then. Um, These are the questions we have to know. It's hard to know with him because they didn't really follow him. Mm-hmm. But you almost get a sense that he was already, like when whenever you first see him, mm-hmm. he's already one of them. Well, see, I when I when I saw him when we first we first introduced the character, I didn't think at all that that was that that they had taken. I thought it was like at some point, like when he was off scene, that they took him. Yeah, well, I, that's what I'm saying. Mm. But you didn't get a sense either that Donald Sutherland was taken by them either until he that's started true. screaming. Yeah, yeah. I think it was what tripped me up is that he was kind of like smiling. Yeah. I say kind of smiling because it's kind of hard to, to tell with that guy. I don't think he was smiling. I think he was just making faces. <laughs> yeah, he's like, this is how people smile. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> <laughs> this is how you make your eyebrows pointy. <laughs> Uh, I one part I was laughing. I was laughing on the inside. Was the scene where um, after uh, Elizabeth Elizabeth has been taken over and she's like naked, you know, telling like Matthew, just join us. It'll be okay. Everything will be fine. And like Donald Sutherland gets inside the the place where they're storing the pots. He like tries to destroy everything and all that shit. Uh huh. And she comes running in, and she's like, and she makes like this weird tongue thing, like, <laughs> yes. and point. But like, it's like, yeah, and it's like this naked woman making like these weird faces, pointing up. Like, I can't, I, I couldn't help but like not laugh if I was like on that set. Yeah, you know, um, which I, I found out that they actually did two versions of that scene. 
uh, one version is her being naked, uh-huh. and another version for t- television was her fully clothed. Ah, uh, but she made the same face. <laughs> Probably, I haven't seen it, <laughs> but she had to make the same. I mean, she made the same face like several times. Like, <laughs> 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 That's so ridiculous. Anyway, um, so anything else you want to talk about the movie? I think it was revolutionary for its time. I feel like mm-hmm. things were so creative in that time in the eighties. This is uh, seventy-eight. I still consider it the eighties. It's like the the very beginning of when things were really getting good. Yeah. Um, there's like a fifteen or twenty-year span as I'm watching these movies with you mm-hmm. that I'm realizing like. These movies from like 75 to like, I don't know, the late 80s. Mm. They have so much creativity and how they tell a story and what the story means. Yeah. It's not just a story to add shock value or just another detective story that, you know, people like those, right? Mm-hmm. Like it actually has something to say and, and, it, and they try to do it in a really creative way. Mm-hmm. I really don't think you get that anymore. Not unless it's a really indie movie that yeah, for whatever true. reason people are not going to watch. That's true. I I I actually like um like my favorite era of film is actually during the 70s cuz like you said, you know, it is a very creative time. This is like a time during like the sexual revolution, um civil rights had just passed, you know, we are getting uh, a super like flux of different types of movies and people are like pushing the limit of what they can do cinema wise i mean we got like i like for example like a great example this i mean this is a, 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 like godfather godfather is a great example godfather uh alien um blade runner mm-hmm. uh i believe blade runner is like 79 or something like that um another great example is um a driver yeah that's a that's a great film and it seems so um oh, i'm sorry blake runner is 82 but yeah it's kind of like coming off from what the 70s was pushing yeah like the 80s was still great mm-hmm. even uh what was what, what the 2001 came out your favorite movie Let's see 2001 came out in 2001 came out in 68 damn it mm. i'm gonna say <laughs> in this timeline mm where oh star wars 77 i'm sorry go on you know in this timeline when we're just living nightmare after nightmare until reality doesn't exist like in the wolverine Mm -hmm. nobody dies that movie didn't exist either so oh i gotcha yeah you you love that movie stop it you love it no all right fine there are parts of it i really enjoy um yeah i think well what do you think do you think the do you think um Invasion of the Body Snatchers, 1978 edition, still holds up. Yes. I, All right. One other thing. hmm Some of the remakes that they did in the 70s and 80s mm. of films that were, like, in the 30s and 40s, maybe even the 50s, like, they're so good. Uh-huh. But they almost become classics in their own right. And I couldn't imagine anybody wanting to remake them now like i think something would be lost in translation i think so too 
Um, I mean, I would love to see an updated version with all the the advances in technology and film that we have now. Mm. But I don't want them to fuck it up. So kind of like, don't touch it. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, this, I mean, this isn't really... This isn't fully in the 70s, but it's kind of like leading into it. Uh, the Graduate came in 1967. That's the one with Dustin Hoffman. Yeah. That's a great film. Point Blank is another great film. Um, Planet of the Apes, 68. Easy Rider, 69. It's going into like that 70s era where people are like, yo, we we passed this horrible time. We're out of World War II. Oh, and plus, I think what the Vietnam War was just, which Vietnam War was just about to kick off. Yeah. Some of these movies had to make like a political stance and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like Rambo did. <laughs> it was like after the That's war, true. but. Yeah, that is, that is true. When did Dog Day Afternoon came out? Let me see. Dog Day Afternoon. Uh, Dog Day Afternoon. That's a great film. Dog Day Afternoon came out in '75. Oh, that was a beautiful film. I gotta show you. Taking a film one, two, three. Yeah, that's a good film. Anyway, I'm I sorry. I saw the remake. <laughs> I did. I see. I think I saw the remake. I did. That's the one with Dennis, Denzel Washington and uh, John Travolta. I think I saw. I have the original Taking a Film one, two, three. I think I might have seen the remake because did the remake have like some stupid ass twist? Yeah, I wasn't super impressed by it. Uh, you know, it was my ex was in the military and he was overseas and you could buy all kinds of bootleg DVDs when you're deployed. Yeah. So he brought a bunch of those home and Doctor Who. Ooh. That's how I got into Doctor Who. Uh, and that's how I saw that. Another great film from the 70s, The French Connection. Has one of the best car chase scenes ever. Yeah beautiful film gene hackman oh that's a great film okay cool anything else to add uh throw anything into it no i i don't know i don't i really feel like i didn't say enough about this movie but i don't know what else to say i think he's at plenty yeah i mean he gets your stamp of approval <sighs> yes it does <laughs> all right um so I'm going to close out by saying you can find us on all podcast catchers like that. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> the audience appreciates that. Uh, the next geriatric cinematic we are going to do is The Little Princess from 1995. This was not my choice. No, but it has our favorite, favorite cinematographer. Mm. And it is directed by your favorite Roma Is it Roma? Guy. Oh, Alfonso Cuaron? Uh-huh. Is that Alfonso Cuaron? Yeah. I think that's considered like his... That's not his first film. I think that's like his first American film. Yeah, Alfonso Cuaron, 1995. Can you tell us... <laughs> we're no longer going to do what's the connection. We're not going to do what's the topic. <laughs> Can you tell us what the topic is? <laughs> what shit did Kelsey... <laughs> Show me. <laughs> this is Kelsey's choice. But look, they've been teaming up forever, and all their shit is I amazing. Am, so I am curious. Whether yeah. you like the story or not, I think mm. you're going to find value in it anyway. I am curious about this movie. I, I mean, I, I, I love to be proven wrong in situations like this. For example, um, I saw... Uh, God, what's the, I'm forgetting the lady's name. I'm, I'm drawing blanks today. Um for like movie knowledge for some reason but i saw um greta gerwitz 
uh, Little Women. Uh-huh. And that's that's not my wheelhouse. Um, but I kept hearing how great it was. And Greta Gerwig, I saw, she did another movie that I'm not a big fan of, uh, Lady Bird. Mm-hmm. I understand why it was good, but whatever. You didn't like that one? I thought you liked that one. I didn't like it. I understand why people like it, but I, it just wasn't for me. So I checked out Little Women, and I was expecting to be like, oh, this is boring, whatever. But yo, at the end of the movie, I was like, yo, fuck that girl. I was like, all <laughs> in that drama. So I, I could be wrong. I, I could be wrong about Little Princess. I mean, yeah, you're right. It's Alfonso Cuaron. Love that dude's directing. It's the cinematographer that Alfonso uh, Cuaron's been working with. Emmanuel Lubezki or something like yeah, that. Yeah, and that, does, that dude does great cinematography. So I, could, I, I think the trailer just didn't sell it that well to me. No. I mean, it was the mid-90s. Ugh, yeah, trailer in the 90s were, whoa. <laughs> uh, yeah, but Kelsey's gonna, this is Kelsey's, is this your first choice? I think this is the first time you've seen something that I have never seen. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So yeah, we're gonna basically do a role reversal here, and yeah. I'm gonna show him something that I absolutely loved. Mm. And I think it was directed, didn't uh, Didn't he direct um, Secret Garden too? Fonzo Cuaron? Or no, it was the same writer. Actually. Yeah, it's by the same writer of The Secret Now, see, the funny thing is... And I would always get those two mixed up as a kid. The funny thing is, I saw The Secret Garden when I was in sixth grade, I think, or seventh grade for English class. Mm-hmm. I actually liked it. I think you'll like this one then. I hope so. Otherwise, you're fired. You're done. You'll be... I'll be fired until next week. Mm-hmm. And you'll be fired. And then our our new host will be Patches. And he'll go... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're going to go ahead and bid you guys adieu. We hope you guys are staying safe out there in this crazy ass world we are living in right now. Um, but I'm going to leave you guys with some very powerful words from Jack Belichick, played by Jeff Goldblum. Here I am, you pod bastards. Hey, pods, come and get me, you scum. Mm-hmm.